With just months to go until the UK's scheduled split from the European Union, one of the key issues for derivatives firms is what will happen to Euro clearing. In this podcast, we're looking at how London became a major hub for the clearing of Euro-denominated derivatives and the likelihood of Euro clearing relocating to mainland Europe and what a potential relocation would mean for derivatives firms. Welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. And I'm Emily Fraser-Voigt, deputy editor here at DerivSource. The vast majority of Euro-denominated derivatives trades are currently cleared in London. According to recent news reports, the London Stock Exchange Group's LCH accounts for about 90% of the Euro-clearing market and has already cleared 80 trillion euros of Euro-derivatives this year. Now, there are some in Europe who believe the business should be relocated onto mainland Europe, where it can be regulated by the European Central Bank. But such a relocation would come at significant cost to the industry. Today, we are speaking with Corinna Schemp, who is responsible for European policy and regulation at the Futures Industry Association, or FIA. Welcome to the podcast, Corinna. Can you start by giving us a bit of background as to how London became such a major hub for your clearing? Sure. I think there are actually several reasons to this development. So, uh, firstly, overall, the UK is the financial market of Europe today. It's also the banker of Europe. Why London became so attractive is, I think, some of the reasons are, I will not go in a particular order, but... For example, in access to a significant talent pool. So London is an attractive place that attracts uh, highly sophisticated and educated individuals from all over the world, from the US, from Asia and as well. Europe, it's an innovative place. Uh, I think also English uh, plays to the advantage as a universal language, of course. There are also time zone advantages. So sitting in the UK, Asia and the US, Another big benefit certainly is the English law system. It's a common law system that provides a great deal of flexibility. And in addition, courts and judges that take pragmatic views and take practical decisions. I think also the networking system in London should not be underestimated. It's an exchange of views. It's it's a big factor, I think, for innovation in London, the networking between Here is an exchange of ideas and thoughts, which leads to further innovation. Certainly as well, uh, because I have worked the last years actually quite in close contact with, uh, in my role, with regulators, not only in the UK, of course, but also in Europe. But there is, there are sitting sophisticated regulators in the UK, the Bank of England, PRA and FCA, and there is a significant expertise in terms of financial markets. It's clear because uh, the UK is such a big financial market and a lot of expertise sits here. I hear as well here in Europe that this expertise will, of course, be uh, missed as well in the negotiation when developing rules for financial markets. The other factor, most probably too, is that everything is one place. So we have infrastructure, so we have the vendors sitting there, we have the investment firms, international firms, local firms, and regulators, they're all sitting in one place. And then innovation at CCPs, there's also that actually that LCH not only clears zero trades, they clear 17 other currencies, including US dollars, 
There are operational and cost efficiencies. There is a global pool of liquidity and innovation that developed efficient tools that enabled companies to manage their risk in a way that actually promotes financial stability. And a lot of work, of course, has been done in the last 10, 10 years. And I think the UK was a leading force in the negotiations uh, of EMIR and developing the more resilient via EMIR. Corinna, fast forwarding to today, obviously things have changed politically and will continue to do so over the next several months. The European Parliament has recently voted to give ESMA increased powers to determine where your clearing should be located when Brexit takes place. How likely do you think it is at this stage that your clearing will be relocated? This is a highly political file, as we know, and I think trust or the lack of trust is part of it, and it's highly Brexit-related. The Commission, since publishing uh, the proposal was always and is still keen to emphasize that it's a last resort. We hear that as our last resort measure. We hear that from the European Parliament, and of course not all MEPs would agree, and also member states in the discussions, that they would see a forced relocation as a measure of last resort in its negotiation positions. It is likely, that's how we view, that the location element stays in the legislative text after the trilogue which is the process where the European Parliament and Council, as the the second co-legislator, will find the agreement on the final legislation. The European Parliament came to the position that any relocation must be made on proportional rules and evidence-based decisions. So that's um, what Danuta Hübner, um, who is the rapporteur on the file, was working towards. There is uh, impact assessment. It's a key element. And... It's appreciated by our members as well that this came into the the compromise position at the European Parliament. We're still waiting for the council general approach to be agreed because that then paves the way actually for the trilogue. So we have to wait and see when this is happening. There are still discussions going on because there is a second element to it, which is actually supervision of EU DCPs, FIA, and our members, of course, the the legitimate concerns around financial stability and those concerns need to be addressed. And there is also what makes this file so political, the fears here in Europe that the UK diverges from EMIR and they want to have a tool, have it. So that's why there is a location element. At FIA we support the recognition of third country CCPs. Relying on ESMA is the key point of access and provisions at level one that should enable EU authorities and third country supervisors to develop cooperation equivalence and mutual recognition in flexible ways over time. I think what we can also observe in discussions is that EU authorities being involved with the Bank of England think they do a great job on supervision, but our position remains that it, it should be the market that decides where the Euroclid market moves to, and where liquidity should move to it should not be forced and it should be a market-led solution that would be that is the ideal situation so uncertainty remains but personally i'm fairly optimistic that such tool will not be used but it remains a feature of the text it seems from what you're saying and from other reports i've read 
that although there remains a lot of things to work out, there is a fairly pragmatic approach taking place. I think there was a lot of anger in the immediate wake of the referendum, especially from European politicians and EU lawmakers, who said that if the UK wanted out of the EU, then it should simply not be allowed to have the Euroclearing business. Perhaps those passions have subsided a little once people started to look at how such a relocation would work in practice. Can you talk a little bit about what the economic impact of relocating Euroclearing to mainland Europe would be for the industry if this were to happen? Yeah, we, we went through a, a big exercise actually at FIS. So our head of Europe, Simon Poulsen Jones, worked together with our Brexit working groups actually on a white paper um, on potential impact of no deal Brexit on the clear derivative industry. This is going wider than just euro clearing, so it's touching basically on the no deal scenario. So fundamentally, a location policy will be harmful to all stakeholders by increasing cost, and there is also potential that markets will stabilize. I think it's fair to say that everyone, including the European Commission, if we look at their impact assessment, agrees that forced relocation would fragment liquidity and raises the cost for end users, and this especially for EU 27 end users that use the relevant CCP to manage their risks through derivatives cleared at such a CCP. We outlined um, in various positions in the past that uh, forced relocation of uh, Euro-denominated clear derivatives through the use of de-recognition mechanism would be a disruptive and expensive approach to overseeing third country CCPs and EU end users likely would suffer a significant increase in cost and a loss of liquidity as a result of any forced relocation as actually then those players will end up accessing a smaller part of the bifurcated euro-denominated derivative markets. In addition, there would be fragmentation between euro-denominated derivatives cleared in the EU and non-euro-denominated derivatives, which are likely to continue being cleared actually outside the EU, so at LCH Clearnet. This fragmentation of markets would have an adverse effect on systemic risk what we believe, for example, by negatively impacting a CCP's ability to successfully port or auction client positions of a defaulting clearing member, or by reducing access to alternative locations for clearing. So risk protection mechanisms and products uh, will be made more expensive. It's also a challenge for actually supervisors. So there are others, what our members report, it's um, the, the need to repaper. Some of our members have hundreds and thousands of clients. Time is a problem. It takes a significant time as well for our firms to make those changes. There is operational complexity attached to it. Swaps contracts are usually entered into for longer period of times. There are also various challenges. Uh, of moving legacy contracts. There will be many more, but that's where I want to leave it. So how do you see this playing out? Are you optimistic that a reasonable settlement can be reached? I'm personally quite hopeful that we will arrive at an acceptable place. There is, if we're looking around wider Brexit, there is political uncertainty and there is a lack of um, clear information, but Hopefully with time, there will be more clarity and 
it seems also as reported in the press that the financial services industry is more confident that Brexit negotiations between the UK and the rest of the bloc will lead to an orderly divorce, but questions remain on time. Whatever the outcome, we will certainly be keeping a very close eye on this topic over the next few months here at DerivSource. That's all that we have time for today. So thank you very much, Corinna, for your time and for your insights. And thank you to our audience for listening. You can read an accompanying article to go along with this podcast on derivsource.com. If you have any comments or suggestions on this topic or any other topic you would like us to cover, please send those to editor at derivsource.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time.